The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, my friends. Those interested in money, please, everyone. Hope your day's off to a good start. I am Wolfgang Klein, host of the show, your friend for the next hour. Uh, I can be your friend for your life if you like. You can just give me a call anytime. WolfgangKlein.com is the website. I am a portfolio manager. Yes, I help people manage money. I help people achieve goals, get them to their place of final destination. Stages. It's all about stages. Accumulation stage, harvesting stage, and the estate stage. And that's what we do uh, from cradle to grave. Uh, but let's keep it uh, optimistic, shall we? Uh, better weather is ahead. Better times are ahead. Um, getting positioned for the future. I guess that's what it's all about. Not about today. Not about the coronavirus portfolio. No, no, no. About the recovery. Uh, but between now and then, we got ourselves some uh, choppiness, perhaps. But we'll get you through it. And of course, uh, two is better than one. And that's where Jack Hartle comes into the equation, uh, 60 miles away we broadcast via social distancing, but we broadcast nonetheless. I mean, broadcasting essential service and uh, finance essential service. So, Jack, you are a essential provider of two services. Uh, good morning to you, my friend. How are you, Jack? Good morning, Wolf. Uh, doing well here uh, in isolation up in, uh, in Newmarket. And uh, we got our, our friend Jay Child on, who's a close neighbor of mine, which I'm looking forward to having uh, speak to us about real estate. Well, uh, yeah, Jay Child's been on the show a number of times. He is a land advisor, senior vice president with CBRE. Uh, Jay really specializes in development and pre-development land. Uh, So if you have a piece of property, perhaps some corn on it right now, maybe some beans, uh, whatever the crop du jour may be, uh, and if it's uh, developable, if it's developable, is that the, what's the word we're looking for there? If it's, if it's capable of development, I guess is a phrase, AJ. Eh, uh, Jay Child is your man. I've seen the great big billboards up on the 404 and on the 400, um, and you'll see his name on it, Jay Child. Uh, he's an expert in the space. It's a fascinating space, 22 years of experience. And uh, Jay, I have to say that that is surprising because, of course, you and Jack – Hartle go way back to the, uh, well, I guess the old uh, frozen ponds where you guys were passing pucks and uh, getting a little competitive on the ice, and now you're all grown up, and, uh, well, Jack, of course, helps people with money with me, and you help people with real estate, which is also another asset class. So with that quick introduction, my good friend, thank you, and welcome back to the show, Jay Child. Thank you very much, uh, Wolfgang and Jack. And, uh, yeah, started at the uh, on the driveways playing ball hockey, and here we are 22 years later. Isn't it amazing how life is? 35 years later. Um, Yeah, I guess at some point, you know, Jack sent me a great uh, YouTube clip on Warren Buffett. And if any friends at home want that clip, just uh, go to YouTube, uh, Google Warren Buffett, a CNBC interview quite recently. But uh, I sort of, uh, Jack, when I was watching that interview, you see Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger 
sitting on the back of a golf cart. Now, Charlie Munger, I think, is 96. Warren Buffett is 88. And they continue to wake up each and every day and go to their office and do what they like to do, uh, manage money. Uh, really, th- th- those two gentlemen are not that different than Jack and I, other than about uh, 150 years of age difference. Um, but uh, I had a vision, Jack, of you and I actually one day sitting on the back of a golf cart, or maybe you and Jay one day on the back of a golf cart, you know, cruising around uh, at some trade show that uh, you guys are now in charge of and uh, having your followers follow you, members of a club. But, you know, Jack, that was an interesting point. I want to I keep you on here, Jay. Stay with me, my friend. But Warren Buffett made the point that his shareholders are shareholders for life and that there's a limited amount of seats available. And, Jay, no different than you, my good friend. Um, you know, you, you've now have 22 years of experience in the real estate business, and you only have so many hours in a day. So, you know, you, too, deal with a very select group of people. But uh, with that, again, <laughs> introduction, my good friend. Uh, fill us in uh, on what you're seeing in the land of real estate uh, amidst the coronavirus global pandemic. Sure, and thank you. Um, I mean, the reality is it's no different than when we talk about specifically land or specifically the housing market. There's no such thing as a national housing market. There's no such thing as a global housing market. It's very uh, market-driven um, and sub-market-driven. And then within the sub-markets, it's very, um, uh, it's very split up as it relates to different product types. So the commercial real estate market can be, can be broken into many different segments. And, you know, we're talking about office leasing, if we're talking about industrial, if we're talking about retail, uh, or if we're talking about the land market, I think that there's a lot of different uh, approaches and a lot of different thoughts out there. The one thing we all know is we don't know. Um, and there's been many things out there about saying, okay, is it going to be six months, is it going to be 12 months, is it going to be 18 months? But uh, there's a couple of fundamental, you know, you always, and, and I think this is the same way you advise your clients in terms of financial ad- uh, advice you always come back to the fundamentals. What are the fundamentals? So a couple of key uh, points maybe we get into. There's going to be a structural shift in how people work, and there's going to be a structural shift in where people want to live. Um, So as it relates to the land market, um, notwithstanding the commercial real estate umbrella, um, as it relates to the land market, we've really got a, a, we've got fundamentals, we've got pent up demand, and it's all about predicting, okay, where are people going to go and what are they going to do post-COVID? Um, right. So everything right now is on hold, you know? You are uh, listening to Hi-Fi Radio. You've just tuned in. Uh, Jay Child uh, has joined us this morning. Uh, Jay Child is a real estate expert uh, at the commercial level. He gets involved in trading uh, $40, 50000000 million parcels of land that are uh, available for development and pre-development stage. It's a very interesting part of the real estate market. We're going to drill it back down to condos, houses, and REITs right here on Hi-Fi Radio. My good friends, the show is for you. It's a show about money. It's a show for your money. You stay tuned. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm doing the chicken dance, my friends. I can feel it. You feel that? Good morning to you. 
It is Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Essential service broadcasting. Essential service, personal finance and banking. Well, Jack and I are doing both. We are here for you. Thank you for the applause. I appreciate that. Good morning. I hope you are well concerned about money. Many of us are. That's what this show is all about. If you have any questions, any specifics uh, that you want to uh, get some clarification on, you can contact Jack and I anytime. WolfgangKlein.com is where you will find me. You can drop me an email. You can send me a text. You can even call me. Uh, it's all available to you. We are readily available to you. After all, it's Groundhog Day. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, Jay Child on the line, Jack Hartle, my partner, other portfolio manager uh, on the line. Uh, guys, this Groundhog Day thing, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I almost have to work every day. Jay, do you sort of feel the same way, and Jack, likewise? Well, I think uh, working from home certainly uh, opened up a few, uh, uh, a different perspective anyways for a lot of people. Uh, and I think that people are more productive in certain ways. Obviously, uh, I'm not commuting two hours a day, but I was productive on the train, I would say. But uh, it, it certainly gives you a different perspective and allows you to do different things, uh, be more productive uh, by working from home. But you also miss, obviously, um, the collaboration that you have in the office. So I, I do think that's important, too. Do you miss me, Jack? Absolutely, well. Get you on Zoom, buddy. There's a, there's a big pause in that, Jack. I'm not feeling it. I know you, Dave. Uh, Jay Child, uh, your hockey partner, uh, handsome young fella. Uh, can't believe Jay Child is in, in the commercial real estate business for 22 years. You look like you're such a young boy, Jay. Your big That's secret. You have. I'm so jealous of you. you got good DNA, my good friend. But you're very smart, Jay. I must admit, I have a ton of respect for you. I tell Jack this all the time. I'm glad that you are one of our friends and partners um, in success. Uh, because when I have some uh, esoteric or not so esoteric, pretty silly questions about the real estate market, I feel comfortable that we can certainly ask you. And that's where I use Jack to say, check, check, check in with Jay Child on this aspect of the real estate market. But Jay, little, little, you, you touched on this. Uh, earlier, um, working from home. Now, I want to I keep, keep, keep that ball in the air, working from home, because in, in our world, uh, in terms of being portfolio managers, Jack and I have invested a little bit of our client money into REITs, real estate investment trusts. And again, there's really three categories of REITs. There are office REITs, which we don't own. There are industrial REITs, like the Granite REIT that we do own, which is a play on digitization, Amazon, warehousing. We own ProLogix REIT that you gave the thumbs up to when Jack and I were looking at that idea. That's the U.S. industrial REIT. And we own some retail REITs like Choice Properties, a.k.a. the now landlord to Loblaws, previously owned by Loblaws, spun up by Loblaws. Um, and we own a company called Pro REIT, which is a smaller REIT out in the East Coast that just cut its dividends because about 8 to 10% of its retail clients can't pay their rent for the month of April. So a lot of moving parts. And then you, you throw the REIT market in, Jay. You're talking commercial real estate with, with your raw land. But then you have what each Canadian is most concerned with, i.e., will my children be able to afford a home, i.e., condo market, and then the ultimate dream that we all have, which is 40-foot lot, single car, double, actually double car garage, and even a white pick expense. Why not? So with all that in mind, Jay, what kind of change, what kind of uh, opportunities, risks, uh, et cetera, do you see in the marketplace? And I know it's a loaded question. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I can, I'll try to tie them all in together. The, um, the structural shift with what's happened now with everybody working from home has really, has really forced the uh, implementation of technology. And it's something I've been preaching for years is always, why do we all have to sit on the highway at the same time to get to a, a place at the same time? Just like, to me, it, it doesn't make, it never made sense on the white collar side, blue collar side. I mean, if you have to be there to, to make, you know, to do things, then you have to be there. But um, in terms of REITs, uh, we have uh, a lot of differing views, and this has impacted a lot of people. I, I mean, I think it all comes back down, and I mentioned this earlier, to the fundamentals. We have a lot of people moving here. Uh, we have a very strong employment market. The Toronto, the Toronto uh, economy, it's a global economy. The Toronto market is the you know center of Canada from an economic perspective. Uh, and Canada is one of the, the darlings out there, you know, again, fundamentally speaking. So what are we going to see moving coming out of this? There is going to be a pressure on employers to better accommodate flexible hours, working from home, in, implementing technology, and that's going to trickle right through the economy. It's going to relate. It's going to going to relate to where do people want to live? So if I have to go into the office twice a week instead of five times a week, then I can afford to move a little bit farther. And that goes to your question about, well, do I want to live in a condo or do I want to live in a house? My prediction is that we're going to see a strong rush for that, uh, you know, that townhouse, ground-oriented, townhouse, semi-detached, single-family detached in, in the 905 suburbs. And as long as you have access to the city, now you have technology and you have the acceptance from the corporate level in terms of working from home, working remotely, using the Zoom technology, using whatever technology it is to to do that, there is going to be a major rush on uh, the 905 uh, growth. That's very uh, interesting, Jay. Uh, sorry, uh, again, being remote is difficult to uh, run a show uh, as we're all uh, miles apart, but uh, we have to keep the clock as well. Uh, Jay Child is on the line with us. We're going to keep him on air. Uh, he's a very, very smart man, good friend of Jack Hartle's. Uh, Jay Child is with a CBRE. Uh, he is a commercial real estate broker focusing on pre-development and development property. If you have a piece of property like this and you are looking for a very savvy uh, individual to help you list it and sell it, Jay Child is the man at CBRE. We're going to keep getting a further insight into the real estate market with him on Hi-Fi Radio. You stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And he looks at us and says, hey, darling. Now, Jack, I gotta ask you: Would you live in a little pink house, Jack? If I was out in the East Coast, Wolf, I would. I would definitely live in that pink house. How's that? They got the pink you house, know, I, the I yellow house. You said that. Oh, right. It's beautiful out there. I love it. I know. Very, very tragic uh, Canadian. Uh, headline that, that hit the tape this week, of course, is with that mass shooting uh, in the East Coast. Uh, very, very sad. Uh, the last thing uh, any of us wanted to hear. Um, but it, I guess this is the sign of the times. You can't avoid uh, 
craziness, uh, no matter which way you turn. Uh, Sci-Fi Radio, my good friends, welcome to the show. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager as well, Partner in Crime, uh, on with his good buddy, Jay Child. Jay Child is a commercial real estate uh, broker um, who is with a CBRE. He's a vice president, uh, well over two decades of experience in this space. Uh, Jack, I know you have a few questions for your good friend about the real estate market. I'm going to throw it over to you. Sure. Uh, Jay really sells to, I would say, the, the real investor in, uh, in real estate, and that's, you know, the builders and developers that are looking at, you know, they take a long-term view and they're looking at the cash flows that they can generate over decades of, of time as they develop these properties. So my question to Jay would be, what, what are you seeing with these uh, developers uh, and builders right now? And have they, um, you know, taken advantage of the last 45 days of market dislocations or is it uh, uh, still in front of us? Yeah, there, there's really three groups of, of, you can break them into three. One is the person that calls and says, hey, you know, here's, a, here's an opportunity, here's an economic downturn, you know, show me everything that's at 50 cents on the dollar. And those guys, you know, they're not doing anything because, because that hasn't really trickled through and, and it won't, uh, again, on, on the good quality. On the second category, people are saying, hey, you know what, I've got to take care of my house. So I'm out. Love it. Love the site. I'd be a perfect buyer for it, but I just, I've got other things I've got to worry about. It's, it becomes about a better priority, right? Like where, where in the priority chain is your pipeline? And so those people are on the sideline. The third group are people that say, hey, we've got the bandwidth. We know we're going to be in this long term. We're, we're buying sites that are three to five years, you know, from, from execution and delivery. And so those are, the, those are the really the companies that we're focusing on right now. And we're launching, we're telling our clients, like, now's a good time to be out in the market. Don't expect a, you know, a bidding war right now in terms of, you know, maximum value. But now's the time to be out there putting people, getting your property in the queue. And so that's been, that's proving to, to be a very effective strategy. Uh, and we're just really waiting for the certainty, right? Because, um, you know, municipalities are closed. Some are going to virtual meetings. Some are, some are accepting online meetings. Some aren't, et cetera. Um, and so, so really, that's that's what we see. It's broken into three different, you know, distinct groups, all for their own reason. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, six forty in Toronto. If you just tuned into the show, Jay Child, uh, senior vice president with CBRE, Richard uh, Richard Ellis, of talking about commercial real estate and. Are the buyers still there? It's interesting because Jay basically sells farmland, and I guess. Well, I guess you can walk the farmland, stay a couple of hockey sticks apart. And the cute thing is, Jay and Jack used to play hockey together. Back to you, Jack. Thanks, Wolf. Uh, the other follow-up question I would have there, Jay, is how is the liquidity in this system right now? Um, are these developers able to get financing when they need it? We hear, obviously, residential and people not being able to afford their mortgages right now, but the bank's helping them out. To, what's the liquidity situation for the clients that you're dealing with and their ability to actually access capital uh, in these difficult times? Yeah, I mean, the majority of the deals being done are, are probably, I would say privately held development companies that are well capitalized individually. So liquidity to the people buying is not the problem. Uh, Gone are the days of, you know, me and you saying, Hey, let's start a development company going out, borrowing, you know, B B list money and, you know, financing our our way through the learning curve. So uh, again, it's like any other industry where it's the flight to quality and the best companies, the guys that are generational, you know, the Toronto star builders, as I call them, they, they have a lot of dry powder. Like they will buy land. 
Um, and it really just comes down to a matter of delivering them product in the markets that they want to see it. And that's another question is, where is the growth going to go? And, uh, and I think that's where we're going to see the biggest change and the biggest shift in, um, in focus from what, what used to be the downtown condo site to what now is a you know, suburban location accessible to, to the GTA, to Toronto, uh, via transit and or highway, um, where you can deliver ground-oriented product. I think that's what really people are looking for at these periods of time. You know, high-quality assets. And, and Wolfgang has said it time and time again. It's periods of stress like this where the, the weekends really get shaken out and the strong hands step in and really generate that generational wealth um, because of, you know, a strong balance sheet and cash flow that they've generated throughout the years and, and set themselves up for these types of situations. Yeah, no, that, that, that is what's going to happen uh, once again. Uh, those with strong balance sheets, those with cash on hand or access to cash will come out of this situation with a smile on their face. Again, I go back to that interview that you sent me, Jack, uh, from Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett said back in 1942, the market was down. He purchased some stock in the morning. And when he went home, his father said, hey, you could have purchased at an even lower price because the market went further lower. That said, if I look back today, said Warren, any down day in the history that I purchased stock, I'm very, very happy with what I've done because here I am at much higher levels. It's all about time horizon and a strong balance sheet. Jay Child, uh, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your uh, wisdom on the real estate market with us. Jay Child, uh, Vice President, Senior Vice President with uh, CBRE. Again, if you have some development land that you're looking to get to the market, uh, you don't require a virtual tour, I take it. And Jay is your man. You play my good friend, Steve tuned to hi-fi radio more show right after this listen we're gonna take a break but when we come back more money talk you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto Move oil has had. Oh, front and center, uh, the Albertans must have been shaking in the boots. Oil went below zero this week, my good friends. And once it gets down that cheap, well, it can rise. And uh, I saw a headline today, oil up 50% in the last two trading days, uh, obviously from a low base. Uh, Energy is a very, very important sector to the Toronto market, to the Toronto or to the Canadian economy, I should say. Uh, oil once represented uh, north of 20% of the value of the TSX. Uh, that's how significant it was. I haven't looked recently what the weighting is, but it's still a very, very significant component, uh, only second to the financials uh, on the market. And that's the problem with the Canadian market. We have commodities, we have banks, and not a whole lot in between. Just the way we are, we are Canadians. Hey, I want to welcome you to the show. It's Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager and Partner. Yes, when you work with us, you get two minds. 
Plus, you get all the backup support from financial planning to analysts to strategists, uh, full shop, lots of love, lots of hand-holding, lots of dialogue, lots of communication because it's about you and your goals and your dreams. And, well, we want to bring some ease to it all, and we want to bring some ease. We bring rational guests onto the show. Simon Ackett, uh, Global Head of Energy Sales, right here at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. And Simon Ackett is a director. Uh, ooh, that sounds nice. I'm a vice president, but that's where I stop. But you're a director. So are you directing uh, traffic uh, in the uh, oil patch uh, Try to get the uh, prices a little firmer there, Simon. Fill us in. What has gone on in the Canadian energy space, in the international energy space in the last 60 days? It's been absolutely insane. Thanks, Wolfgang. And a pleasure to be on. Uh, two, two things have happened, what we'll call a double black swan event. We've had something impacting supply, which is OPEC, and then flooding the market at lower prices. And something happening on the demand side. We've had this coronavirus that's obviously impacted demand. If we have 100 million barrels of demand a day globally, uh, that's down anywhere from 15 to 25 percent. So 15 wow. to 25 million barrels uh, during this difficult period. It's hard to put an exact figure on that on that number because every country doesn't re- report in. But generally, it's been tough. Double black swan event. The, the notion uh, that, that I'm catching some headlines, and Jack's been doing a lot of work in, in this space as well, but there's a couple of things, and it just brings me back to a trading story from Dennis Garvin. Friends, I want you to listen to this. This is so important, uh, and we're talking about buying things that fall. There's an old story of an energy trader, excuse me, of a trader on Wall Street in the, in the Chicago um, commodity pits buying sugar, and sugar was falling, and he kept buying more sugar, and it kept falling and falling and falling. And sugar fell to the point where the burlap sack that the sugar would rest in was worth more money than the sugar. And I always think about burlap sack, and Jack and I kibitz about it because it's a reminder that something can fall a lot more than you possibly think. And the fact that the sack became more valuable than the sugar. So Jack, and look at oil going negative in Canada, was smart, and he Googled the price of a barrel. Uh, that's right, the drum that the oil sits in. And he came back with a figure of about $90 just for the barrel, and yet the commodity inside it is worth zero. So if, is it factual? Could I actually order some barrels of oil, <laughs> Simon, pay 10 bucks for them, dump out the oil and sell the barrel for maybe 80 bucks? Is that possible? We've seen this happen before where um, the value drops significantly. I haven't seen negative. Uh, for WTI, but the issue is storage. I mean, we just have nowhere to store it. The wonderful thing about sugar is I'm sure that you could make unlimited burlap sacks and start storing them in garages and backyards, but oil, a little more difficult. And to give you an example, there are 30 plus, no, sorry, 20 plus super tankers sitting off the coast of California right now holding about 20 million barrels of oil um, staring at the California coast. That's an example. But the problem is that when you saw oil go negative, we had a, a, a brief period where people couldn't take delivery of the oil because they had nowhere to store it. It's absolutely. Fit. Now, there was speak then about Donald Trump saying, hey, oil is cheap. Why don't we build up the strategic petroleum reserves? I want to ask a question. It's going to, it's going to, get to be a complicated answer. But when he's talking about buying energy for the specific 
strategic reserves to make sure that they are self-sufficient, which they don't need to do anymore. We actually buy barrels or buy pieces of paper, i.e. buy the futures market. They're actually talking about filling uh, the, the SBR. Like they're actually going to fill it with barrels. And, and the reason the SBR was created is for difficult periods of time where you can't access oil, i.e. Mm-hmm. war-type situations, and you draw on that. So those are real barrels going into tanks above ground and below ground. Unbelievable. And you, you were saying that those super tankers, there's about 20 of them off the coast of California, each tanker holding over a million barrels or about a million barrels per ship? It, it, it's roughly that. I think it's just over, I think it's just over 20 super tankers and uh, just under 20 million barrels. So, so somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. And it's just sitting out there. Right. One part of the world, you know, in Louisiana, the SPR holds somewhere around 800 million barrels of oil. Um, so, you know, we have some capacity there. It's not empty right now, but we have some capacity. Nor can you fill it to the brim. But the prediction is that we're going to run out of storage physically around the world in four to six weeks unless we see something give, i.e. we get people going back to work and demand goes up or OPEC cuts sooner and more deep and we get some, uh, some rationality on the supply side. It's a very serious topic we're talking about. It is oil. Uh, on Hi-Fi Radio, Simon Ackett, our global head of energy sales, is a very global viewpoint on energy and it's a global commodity. Please stay tuned. More show right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Radio. It's on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, Partner in Your Success. Uh, Simon Ackett has joined us. He is the Global Head of Energy Sales at Canaccord. He's a director. Uh, he's a very, very wise man. He understands energy, and he understands it real well. He once worked in the patch. He was a, I guess, uh, well, you're out in, you're in the oil patch. We'll call him a rigger. I don't know if he was a Were you actually a rigger uh, at one point in your early career, uh, Simon? I was a uh, drilling completion engineer uh, in, in Alberta for about seven years. Seven years. That's not good for you. You got your, you got your hands real dirty, I'm sure. Um, the energy patch has been unbelievable. Uh, can't be stored anywhere. Uh, someone actually was able to pick up some barrels and, and pay to take the barrels off the hand of the producer. Uh, price at the pumps, we all know, or uh, making on Instagram where you can find the cheapest gasoline, 60-some-odd cents is the lowest I've seen. Demand destruction has occurred. Uh, there's no response in supply yet. Uh, well, there was some kind of response from OPEC, uh, but not enough to appease the markets. OPEC cut less than 10 million barrels. The market obviously wanted a little bit more than that. Mother Earth, I think, is pretty happy. Uh, we once consumed about 100 million barrels per day. Uh, 
We're now consuming 75 million barrels of oil per day. But Trump wants people to go back to work. Why not go for a soda? Tattoo parlors, are they going to open up in a couple of weeks? Uh, don't know. Trump loves tattoos, he tells everyone. I love tattoos. Uh, I love massages. I love getting my hair done. We know you get like any hair done, Trump, but we got to continue to social distance. Uh, but at some point, we will return back to work. The market's seeing some optimism. I can sense it. I can feel it. And this too shall pass. Uh, we will adjust. We will make changes. Um, and slowly, over time, we will get back to normalcy. But it will be a slow, slow stride. Um, Simon, I have to ask you, energy's woes. Is there a quick fix to this one? Or is it going to be a long, drawn-out bear market? Well, well, the wonderful thing about the the markets, and we're you know we're coming back to stocks at some point, the market will start to look through uh, a lot of these issues. But for now, uh, we will continue to see volatility in the oil price, and it, it's hard to look through you know when exactly the demand will pop back up. Like you said, we're down let's say 25 million barrels from 100 million. When we all go back to work and things start to recover, will we go back to 100? Or will we be at 90? Will we be at 92? Like, there, there's some thought that there's some demand disruption. So at the end of the day, yes, we will get through this. Uh, the question is when it is. And then take some time back, and the market should start looking through that. On the equities, they've put in their lows, in my view, in late March. The question is, will they continue to bounce along at these lows and maybe you know, have some volatility down here? Or will we actually see these two and three baggers that we expect uh, in the stocks? I think that's going to take time. I think six months. Jack? I would agree with, uh, with Simon. It's going to take some time to get through this. In terms of the lows, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I do know that the fundamentals really couldn't get any worse uh, for oil stocks right now. And um, typically when that happens, uh, if things get marginally better or less worse, uh, you can certainly see a bottom and uh, make a lot of money in, in distressed stocks. Uh, but the, the question I'd have for Simon, um, you know, it hasn't just been a, a global issue for Canada. It's also been a, a political issue with pipelines uh, here and not being able to, to get them uh, across Canada. Do you see this crisis maybe causing some change and, and Canadians sort of demanding, Wolfgang's been talking about onshoring of products, maybe onshoring of oil, uh, getting a, a pipeline across Canada so that we start refining our own product uh, as opposed to importing uh, from OPEC uh, and, and less stable governments? I, th I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is that we are going to see some more flexibility because at the end of the day, money's being pulled out of Canada for a number of reasons in the oil patch. One is the political environment. Is the government going to become more friendly to oil and gas? For me, I need to see some examples of that. And we're starting to see it. We saw the Canadian government step up and say, we're going to help out the oil patch. And a couple of things they're doing they're help, you know, they're giving some funds to uh, to workers out west. They're also uh, creating what's called a methane fund, or sorry, a um, uh, a, uh, a fund where we're going to be reducing uh, emissions. That's going to bring money back to Canada, and pipelines are also on that agenda. But specific in the stimulus that they're giving to the oil patch, I do not see anything regarding pipes. I'll tell you what's catching my attention, gentlemen, is the Canadian market as a whole. Um, it's got a very interesting profile to it right here, right now, uh, in that it is trading barely above the levels set in 2000, maybe 10 or 15% above the levels in 2000, and is right at the levels it was in 2008. So Canada is on sale. 
Um, but within the energy patch, there's a category, a subsector that is waking up and it's got a gorgeous chart. And this chart leads me to believe that if we get a commodity bull market, a good friend of mine said, Wolf, the venture exchange has been left for dead, and that venture exchange will be one of the best-performing exchanges on the board, surpassing the NASDAQ, the triple Qs. Um, and I think you might be right, but that subsector I'm referring to is uranium. Uh, Simon, have you looked at the uranium spend? I'm not trying to throw this trick question at you, by the way. I know you're, you're, you're into oil primarily, but have you looked at uranium and the action on Cameco and on the U recently? Um, just some general comments on uranium. They, they pull back on supply uh, with all this COVID issues. Mines are down, and you're seeing clearly the spot price in uranium is reflecting that. So mm-hmm. on the venture exchange, all these uranium stories are going to get a bid. And, you know, you're going to see the producers do really well, and then the smaller names are going to come in behind them. But there's huge torque to uranium. Based on there the is, and, and again, uranium has been in a bear market. Jackson's, what, what was that, uh, that, that uh, disaster? It was the Fukushima, Fukushima. yeah, the Fukushima, Fukushima disaster Fukushima. in 2011. Correct, yes. Yeah, so uh, that's been a ten-year, nine-year bear market. And that's when at some point bear markets end and they turn upward, which leads me to question, how long will this oil rut go on for? But it's been going on. Oil peaked 150. And what year was that, gentlemen, before we go to commercial break, when oil peaked 150? Was that 2011? I think it was. Uh, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. The show's about money. It's a show for you. Who is not concerned about money right here, right now? We're your friends. We're here to help you. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. <laughs> She got diamonds on the soles of the shoes. Welcome, morning. Welcome back to the show. Show about money. I saw a little uh, Instagram posting, or Facebook, one or the other, by Paul Simon. Uh, social distancing, uh, staying home, and well, performing live uh, online. It was fantastic. I love Paul Simon. A wonderful, wonderful single singer songwriter. He is. And, well, it makes you feel good, that song, and uh, this Groundhog Day COVID thing. It's getting long in the tooth, and I must say we're all being very uh, respectful in the main uh, towards the greater good, and that's a good thing. And Mother Earth is getting a bit of a break. Uh, you're seeing some satellite images of smog lifting and the likes. Well, we're consuming less energy. Good friend of mine I have a lot of time for. Uh, he's one of my confidants, I must say. I contact him when times get stressful. Um, loves the energy space. He said, Wolfie, I want to bathe in oil. He's a trader, this fella, but he loves energy. Uh, just loves it. It's down, it's out. I said the peak in oil was uh, in 2011. Off air, I was corrected by both Simon Ackett, who has joined us. He's our global head of energy sales. Uh, oil peaked at 150, just in and around the financial crisis of 2008. That should sort of make you feel good in that it's been a 12-year bear market with some cyclical rallies in it. But uh, Canadian investors, it's a tough space to be in. Uh, If you've hung on to those energy names, uh, some of the darlings have become dust. uh, Just go through the list. You know the names I'm speaking about. But the subcategories that have held in better, um, notably the pipeline stocks that Jack and I have some exposure to. Um, And we have one of the big granddaddies of them all, which is Suncor. So, uh, three names that we own, uh, Simon, and if you can speak to them, that'd be great. 
and tell us if there's a hole or perhaps another idea that we can look at. We own Suncor, Jack and I, for our clients. We own Enbridge, and we own Pembina Pipeline. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the safe haven in the oil patch is the pipelines, the midstream stocks, because at the end of the day, if you stop drilling, you continue to produce existing wells. And in order to do that, you need to process and move that hydrocarbon. You do that through the pipelines. Typically, like Pembean and Enbridge, they have long-term 10, 20-year contracts with the oil producers. And this blip that we're seeing right now doesn't stop the commodity from flowing. So we like the midstream stocks. Suncor, C&Q, all these oil sand type producers are going to be the last company standing in the oil patch. Why is that? The oil sands have a long life. They have low maintenance capex. And they have low decline rates relative to any other project globally. Yes, we get a bad rap because of the environmental issues. But in, in fact, those environmental issues are minimal. And they do a great job at minimizing that. But it is a sustainable asset over time, over a lifetime, over two lifetimes. Jack? I would agree. I mean, the low-cost producer is the one that uh, does survive these periods of time. Um, but Simon touched on the, um, the environmental social governance of the oil sands. And uh, we, we talked about, uh, before the break, we talked about OPEC and having to import oil from, uh, you know, the Middle East. Uh, when you look at the, right in our backyard, we have these uh, massive deposits, whether it's a Suncor or C&Q. Can you speak, Simon, to the uh, the technology that is used? And again, it's, oil will never be clean, but uh, the fact that uh, Suncor and C&Q, I would say, have um, you know world-leading technology in terms of uh, oil sands extraction. Right. Um, the the technology is twofold. Imagine a manufacturing process where you have an open pit like a mine, you're digging oil that's mixed in with sand, you put it into a processor that separates the sand from the oil. And then you refine that oil that comes out into something you know, that's lighter and sweeter than what's coming out of the ground. That's one technology, simple mining. The other technology is SAG-D, steam-assisted gravity drainage. So to get that heavy oil, in layman terms, you're putting heat into the reservoir, warming it up, and causing that oil deep underground to become less viscous and easier to flow up a pipe to the surface. Those are the two technologies. And when you compare that to oil that's coming from the Middle East, uh, obviously, like I said, the, it, the both have an environmental impact. Um, as a Canadian, would you not, uh, you know, uh, would you not like to have or prefer to have oil coming from uh, whether it's Suncor or C&Q being refined here in Canada? Would that not make more sense for Canadians and actually getting a fair price for the oil that we, um, that we produce? That's, exa that's exactly right. I mean, these open pit mines, um, the ones you see in the, in the press, are falling in terms of percentage of production compared to the other technology, which is SAG-D, and that's like a normal well. There's no impact that you can see on the surface. It's clear everything's happening underground. The problem with your theory, Jack, is pipelines. We need more pipes to get our crude out of the country. So over time, that'll be resolved, and you'll see the big oil sand producers ramp up production. But we have a bottleneck, and as we sort that out, volumes will increase. 
And like you said, pipelines really do create jobs, and that's something that we're going to need coming out of this crisis. And another thing that we're going to need uh, coming out of this to, to pay for all the bills, uh, I believe, are taxes. So, uh, you know, at the uh, beginning of the segment, we talked about the fact that uh, things are going to start changing, uh, I mean, uh, dramatically because of this crisis. And I think onshoring uh, some of our energy resources makes a lot of sense, and, and pipelines are really uh, a key component to that because we do have here in Canada a lot of resources. We just have to get a, a fair price for it. Yeah, there's no reason for us to be importing oil here in Canada, and yet we continue to import refined product. We have to make some in our own backyard. Uh, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's been a pleasure to speak with you this morning. Simon Ackett, our global head of energy sales, I can't thank you enough for helping make some sense of this crazy energy market that uh, we are dealing with. Uh, this too shall pass, my good friends. Patience, strength, courage, diversity, Strong balance sheet, good health, stay safe. I wish you a great weekend, and I will be back with you, as will Jack Hartle, each and every Saturday. We'll speak to you next weekend. Have a great one. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.